Right now, I just want to speak the unity of the Lord Jesus over everyone listening today. That when we are faced with the division we see in our own person, in our relationships, in our churches, our workplaces, our nations, and even the world, that we would choose the only side that will be the winning side, the only side that will stand at the end, the side of love. And I pray that as you go into your day, that you would be filled with the knowledge that if you walk filled with the Spirit of Jesus, you walk in a position that is stronger than any enemy you face today. Welcome to the I Will Be Your Church podcast, Virtual Sanctuary. Be strengthened today with the truth of God's love so that you can say to your families, your friends, your co-workers, and your social media worlds, I will be your church. Today's scripture that we are going to be talking about is considered more of an illustration than a parable, but it is one of the most well-quoted of the Bible in both the church and in secular conversations. And aspects of it are being played out every day in our lives on a small individual scale, at the national level, and even all the way up to the global perspective. And there are two truths that we are going to focus on today in our uncovering and discovery of this passage. The first is that if you are divided, splintered, and feuding within a relationship, if unity is not restored, that relationship will fail. And the second focus is Jesus will not stand by and let people call the work that he is doing, which is giving life, healing, restoration, and forgiveness to people, works of the enemy. Because he told us that the enemy is the one who's come to steal, kill, and destroy, but that he, Jesus, came so that we might have a full and abundant life. And the work he did and is still doing on this earth through the people who follow him is greater and stronger than any work of the enemy. So let's set the stage for today's passage of scripture. Leading up to what we're going to be reading from the Bible, Jesus had just called his first disciples. They're following him. The crowds are following him. He's just performed miraculous healings. He has cast demons out of people. Uh, He healed someone of leprosy and not just healed them, but restored them. So, you know, missing body parts are coming back. I mean, he is working miracles left and right. And then we get to this passage of scripture that is taken from Matthew chapter 12. Then Jesus went to a house and a crowd came together so that Jesus and his disciples could not even take food. And when his family, his kinsmen heard it, they went out to take him by force for they kept saying he is out of his mind and he's deranged. But the teachers of religious law who had arrived from Jerusalem said, He's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. That's where he gets the power to cast out demons. So Jesus called them over and he responded with this illustration. How exactly can Satan cast out Satan? He asked. A kingdom that's divided and rebelling against itself by civil war, it will collapse. A kingdom divided cannot stand. Similarly, 
a family that's splintered into factions by feuding and rebelling, that family will fall apart. And so if Satan is divided and fights against himself, casting himself out, how can he stand? He would never survive. Let me illustrate this further. Who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger, someone who can tie him up and then plunder or empty his house. I tell you the truth. Every sin will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever abusive and blasphemous things they utter will be forgiven. But whoever speaks abusively against or maliciously misrepresents the works of the Holy Spirit can never get forgiveness, because that is a sin with eternal consequences. They will be found guilty of and is in the grasp of an everlasting trespass. He told them this because they were persisting in saying that he, Jesus, was possessed by an evil spirit. So let's look at divided relationships to start. So we said we're going to focus on two points. So the first point is divided relationships. This is a tough one to talk about right now with everything that we see happening in our families and in our nations and in the world right now. But that's exactly why we need to talk about it, because it has never felt more relevant in our lifetime. As we said, If you are divided, splintered, and feuding within a relationship, if unity is not restored, that relationship will fail. That can even start with your relationship with yourself. If you are trying to live a divided life within your own soul, where you say you believe one thing, but then you do the opposite, where you try to have one foot in what Jesus calls the kingdom of darkness and one foot in the kingdom of light— where you don't even know what you believe, one day following the words of Jesus and the next day following what you hear on TV, if you don't find a way to bring unity to your relationship with your own self and with the Spirit of God, you will fail. You'll fall. You can't maintain that divided life. You will collapse. And we're seeing that around us every day where people we went to ministry school with, people we spent every Wednesday night in youth group with, people who worshiped and prayed and preached right by our sides, people who mentored us in our faith, they've not just walked away from church buildings, but most importantly, they've walked away from their relationship with God and they're cursing God and cursing those of us who still choose to follow him. Well, all right, let's keep escalating it. So we know that if we keep living that way just in ourself, okay, we're going to fail. We're going to fall. We can't live divided like that. We eventually uh, cannot stand under the weight of that division. Well then, okay, let's take it up a notch. Well, it could be in your home between husbands and wives where the fracturing and splintering that Jesus talks about gets to the point that the only visible solution is for the marriage to fail and for them to fully separate so that they don't cause any more damage to themselves, each other, or to the rest of their family members. So let's keep it let's keep it going. You can see it in churches, businesses, organizations on both small and large scales. It's why businesses spend so much time and money on detailing their mission statements and their core values to try and bring a unity of purpose to the people that make up their employees. 
And when people start acting outside of those missions and values, when those employees start basically rebelling against them, then those churches, the companies, the organizations, they either have to get rid of them or they will fail. The employees will undermine the whole mission and value of the organization. Now let's take it up another notch. Of course, we can see what's happening in our nation right now, which I believe is actually just those smaller divisions playing out on a national stage. We've become divided in ourselves. We've allowed our homes to become divided, our businesses to become divided, our churches have become fractured and splintered. Can anyone really say that they are surprised that the millions of divisions and splinters and rebellions that are happening in our individual lives and in our homes and in our communities, are we surprised that that division is now being displayed as an entire country, once again coming to a place of division so deep that its people are ready to fight their brothers and sisters to defend those divisions. And I don't think we have to be that way. I think as Christians, I think Christians can be a, a solution to this personally. Here's there's a difference between our own personal actions compared to what we have to project on other people. In other words, I can make a decision to not be divided anymore. You know, when I'm following the Lord, I, I know that I can calm the situation with calming words. I can be humble. I can repent. I can do these things. I cannot act harshly. I, I can turn the other cheek. What I can't do is try to force other people. I think Christians, we make a few mistakes. We don't turn the other cheek. That's a mistake. When we're standing up for, for biblical principles, so, so we're divided, you know, we try to say we're for spiritual things, we're for God, and then we're shooting somebody or, you know, burning down something or creating, yeah, you know, that's breaking not, into whatever this is. That's or that. divided. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're making it worse. And then we're trying to say that, well, these are my values, but I must hold you accountable to my values. Yeah. And we fail in that way. I, I think Christians will always fail in that sense because the people that we want to try to put in power, we expect to be Jesus Christ. Yeah, and they're not. You can never live up to that. Yeah. <laughs> and they, you know what I mean? Like so just because they're my values, that it can't not everybody has that value, or even on the people on the other side of the aisle from wherever you are. We expect them, they must live up to these or they're evil. No, we're judging those people. We're putting our values and what we think I need to live by, and we're holding them accountable for it. And it's causing division instead of just us being unified in our own selves with what God has for us, showing that, and then let God change that person's heart. Now, if we did that, yeah, it's going to be a little rougher for us because we'll get persecuted. We'll get made fun of. Yet, that's when the gospel shines. That's when the love of God shines. When we may have to take a hit to the face on one hand, turn the other cheek, or we may have to take off our coat and give it to someone, or if someone forces us to walk a mile, we walk with them too. But at the end of that two miles, at the other end of the turning of the other cheek, something powerful happens. They see God in us, and it makes them look small. It makes them look sinful, and they're confronted with that. That's when God moves and convicts and changes hearts, when they see that we're willing to stand up for our beliefs, even unto personal punishment and retribution on our own selves. Think about like our the founding fathers of 
America. You know, they, they spent their time, their talents, and their treasures to accomplish this country. Well, if we're not willing to do the same thing for our own Christian values, that this is who I am, this is what my life is, I'm following the Lord Jesus Christ, what good is it? You're going to fail eventually. Now, that's not to say there are times in our nations when being a true undivided Christian means you have to stand up for the rights of other people who are not being heard. As I was just sort of studying for today's episode, I came across the speech that Abraham Lincoln gave called The Divided Kingdom. Um, and this was while he was a senator. So it was before he even became president. And also oh, before, uh, before the Civil War and everything. Yeah, yeah it, was in, uh, it was June 16, 1858. This was the start of his speech. A house divided against itself cannot stand. I believe that this government cannot endure permanently half slave and half free. I do not expect the union to be dissolved, and I do not expect the house to fall, but I do expect it will have to cease to be divided. It will become all one thing or all the other. Either the opponents of slavery will arrest the further spread of it and place it where the public mind shall rest in the belief that it is in the course of ultimate extinction, or its advocates, slavery advocates, will push it forward until it shall become lawful in all the states, old as well as new, north as well as south. And so I think it's pretty profound what Lincoln is saying here. He was saying that there are two sides of this division, and both of those sides cannot stay standing. Mm -hmm. One side had to win, and one side had to lose, and then the losing side had to come into unity with the winning side. Mm -hmm. So while on an individual scale, as Ben was saying, we're responsible for keeping ourselves united as one godly follower of Jesus and following our values. But at the same hand, there comes a point at times where when there is something so atrocious that is happening on a large scale to be truly united as a believer in Jesus, we have to fight for the people who cannot fight for themselves. I mean, but even that, like, think about that. Even Christians were divided about slavery, which I don't even, can't even comprehend, you know, using the Bible to try to justify it. Yeah. Um, when it very clearly says that in Jesus, there's supposed to be no slave. But I mean, it, it just goes to that whole idea that if there's division, someone is going to have to come into unity with with one or the other side. Mm -hmm. And as believers, as followers of Jesus, we need to be on the, the love side of that. We need to be on the right side. Well, look at this as an example, just in the, in the biblical record. So the Jews at the time were persecuting uh, Jesus, the religious leaders, not the Jews as a whole, the people believed in Jesus. You know why? Cause he was out with the people putting new arms on them and basically, right. you know, yeah. healing them, yeah. Yeah. raising their kids from the dead. So, the religious hierarchy was against them. So it was a house divided in Judaism. In fact, Christianity was originally a sect of Jews. They were all Jewish people because yeah. Jesus said he came first to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You know, they didn't preach to the Gentiles, the rest of the nations yet. So what happened? Those hierarchy of Jews fell. Yeah. 
they ceased to exist. The Romans literally destroyed Jerusalem, leveled it. There was not one stone left on another because, and Jesus specifically said, it's because they didn't understand their day of visitation from the Lord. Yeah. This city will be destroyed and all those people lost their place. So that's the exact same thing. And so I, I look at America as a whole, you know, even whole North America, it can't stand like this. So there's such a, a deep-seated division, but just like Abraham Lincoln said, I don't foresee the union falling or failing. Something's going to have to change. Yeah. And I'm trusting in the Lord that that Thank righteousness you. and truth will prevail, and the Constitution of the United States will prevail, and, and goodness, and all these, you know, the things that this nation has been founded on. Whether all the people are believers in Jesus or not. I mean. No, no, all right. Because this, yeah. You could be Muslim, atheist, anything. Yeah. Yeah. But if you hold to the principles of freedom and equality, then we can be united around that. Right. And so what I'm praying is that there will be a turn of the tide because that's what this country is. Now, if there is bad still left in the country, yes, then those things will be addressed and rooted out. And, and we want them rooted out. We need them to get rooted exactly. out. And that's wonderful. We're all for that. You know, we're talking on a national level, but the same thing in our own families, the same thing in our own workplaces. Now, maybe God's saying to you, I want you to go a different way. Maybe God is saying to you, I want you to make a move. You know, let's say in your workplace, you've got other ideas. You don't see the vision of this company going a certain way. I see that something should be going this way. Instead of you trying to tear your own company down and you being like, you know, the stick in the mud, or you're the one holding everybody back, or you're always in contention. Sowing, yeah, sowing seeds of gossip yeah. and division behind Maybe the scenes. Maybe take your ideas and go to another company who's willing to hear them. Yeah. Form your own company. Yeah. You Maybe don't have God to tear made, something down. Right. To build something. It doesn't something have to be a negative thing. You know, like, for example, if you wanted to change the United States of America, or you wanted to change Canada, then get involved in the political process through the real means that are already provided in our government to make change. Yeah. Don't try to subvert in ways that, that are actually going to tear down the institutions of our country because that's it's subversive. It's you know trying to destroy rather than to try to promote and help create or just to, to heal. So there's different ways you can look at it. The people who are longing to come to America, to Canada, they're coming because of the promise. Mm-hmm. that those institutions have offered to people. Like you said, it's not about if we tear down the very things that are beckoning to people around the world to come, then why would they even want to come anymore? Yeah. yeah. So like, how do we take what we have, become unified around certain themes of goodness and freedom and all of that kind of thing and build up our country into an even stronger, better more beautiful, more free mm-hmm. a country. And, but again, like we said, it starts with our little relationships, our relationships with ourselves. We can't be divided within ourselves. We can't be divided in our home lives, in our workplaces. We have to find unity. Now, we haven't even had a chance yet to talk about our second point, which is in this story of Jesus, he had a pretty harsh word about when people were trying to say that he was casting out demons. He was healing sick people. He was setting people free, restoring their bodies. And people were saying that he was 
demon possessed, that he was using the power of the enemy. So Jesus very clearly stated that his works and his words were ones of life and unity with God. And the enemy is the one who's working to steal, kill, and destroy. But he says here, he is stronger. He calls himself, you know, the stronger of the strong men. Mm -hmm. He is stronger than the enemy. That's why he can cast out demons. And then, of course, what I love is when we partner in unity with Jesus, then we become stronger than the enemy. We become stronger than the divisions. We become stronger than the hate, than the fear, uh, than the sickness from the death. We get to participate with Jesus in being the stronger. I know it's a harsh word. You know, I mean, he basically says it's it's unpardonable. Like you're you're actually going into an eternal trespass mm-hmm. when you try to attribute the works of God to the enemy. And that's a, there's a lot of that going on, there, and there has been for the past hundreds of years. Think about yeah. it. Let's look at this from a Christian perspective. I'm following the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. It's almost a parable in a sense, even though that's a recorded history of what actually happened to Jesus and the disciples at that moment. In a way, it's a parable for us today because Jesus was following his father. He was, he was doing miraculous things. He was in God's perfect will. That's our prayer, right? Every believer wants to be in God's perfect will. We want to have the fruit showing in our life. We want to be living for God in all the ways possible. But when that happens, the people close to you will accuse you of being insane. They will accuse you of being a fanatic and they'll want to come get you and, and steal you out of that. They say you're brainwashed these days. Yeah, they'll be. This happened to God himself. His own family turned on him, wanted to set him straight. They felt it was their prerogative. I'm going to set the Lord Jesus straight. Oh my goodness. Think about that. Yeah. You know, so you got one portion of that. You're being accused of being insane, a fanatic. Then you've got attacks from the religious community coming against you. And what are they doing? They're saying you're possessed of the devil. While you're casting devils out and getting people saved and set free. It blows my mind to think about that. I can't hardly comprehend it, that the son of God, God incarnate, the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form, that's the person of Jesus. (laughs) God was standing before them and they said, you are the devil. Unbelievable. Yeah. But you know what? Many people in the church today, many people in mainline denominations, many people who are prominent, world-renowned, Joanna, they would say that you and I are of the devil. In fact, we We have been called straight to our face (laughs) that we are demon-possessed. While professing love, calling the people saying that to us, you're my brother, you're my sister, we love you. And to this day, still walking in forgiveness towards those people, yeah. still walking in love. That's right. So common sense here, just throw that out. Who who would be in the wrong? Yeah. We've got literal scripture that says that that will happen, and that's actually bordering on the unforgivable, unpardonable sin, because you're yeah. blaspheming the Holy Spirit by that specific word-for-word word example. Yes. And then on our hand, we're actually walking in love and forgiveness, turning the other cheek to those people who are literally 
cursing yelling. us. Yeah, yelling in our faces. Common and sense. I'm- who's right? Who's wrong? <laughs> what's God? What's not God? So obvious. And, and we can say that not even in a boastful way or anything, because that's not always easy. It, no, it's it, very hard because you don't want to just stock them in the mouth. That's right. Like, yeah, <laughs> like our flesh, the flesh is wanting to yell back. The flesh is wanting to say, no, you're great. You know, the, the flesh wants to answer in the flesh. And so it's not to say that we're by any means perfect or we always walk in love or anything like that. But the flesh wants to riot, wants to burn down <laughs> buildings, wants to destroy everything around them. That's the flesh. So that's anytime you see that in the world, which we are seeing that that's the, yeah, of course we want to do that. Yeah. Because we're hurting, but at the same hand, when we choose to follow the Lord, we have to make that choice within ourselves. We cannot be divided. We can't live half in the flesh, half Mm -hmm. in the spirit. Well, we can do it, but it's not a comfortable feeling. And, and you, you will fail. And you'll if fail. You tried to right. do this, yeah, if you tried to do this half you'll on the fence, the flesh. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll the your, your will will get you so far. You'll say, I'm going to be good. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get mm-hmm. so far, but there will become like the last straw. Yeah. And I've been I've at the last the, straw. Yeah, me, me too. I can, I'll give you an example. So I don't cuss. It's not part of me. I'm not a cusser. Okay. I, when I was younger, you know, you'd mess around with saying bad words and just to be cool or whatever, you know. But I never grew up in that necessarily. My family didn't do it. So it wasn't like a part of my vocabulary, right? And it never has been. One time at work, you know, this guy just was doing something. And I'm not going to go into the whole situation. But I snapped. And he said something to me. And I just gave it right back to him, you know. And not I just said the same thing. Repeat, echoed it right back. It on the not, Christian podcast. <laughs> Yeah. If we were monetized, I'd be demonetized, but we're not. So, uh, but yeah, I'd let it sling right back. You know what? When that moment for me, it de-escalated it because we were almost like literally coming to blows. And, I, and this is like, that's only happened the one time in my whole life. But when that happened and I realized I just lost my whole witness, I'm done. I stopped in my tracks and I apologize in front of everybody. I said, yeah. I'm wrong. I took the full responsibility for the whole argument. The next day when I'm sitting in front of my boss with this guy and he's like, cause everybody like, you know, told I should be fired and all this kind of crazy stuff. I took full responsibility. Now see, see how there's the difference when I could have just kept it going and blamed it on this guy and just started, yeah. you know, yeah. pleading my case and all this stuff. No, I was in the wrong. I did these actions. I took full, I defused the whole thing. Everyone is fine. We're good buddies to this day, you know? So, yeah. But it, it was but that. What if that you hadn't done came. that? Yeah. Right. So that was the flesh. When I was trying to do this in my own strength, there will come a point when you will break if it's your own strength. Yeah. Now here, here's where you can get off on the wrong side on the other side by attributing to them the unpardonable sin. I'm passing judgment that you have just committed the unpardonable mm-hmm. sin by calling me demon possessed. Yeah, only Jesus can do that. <laughs> right. So here, that's the other side of it. You could help warn them. You could have a discussion with them, but you cannot attribute unpartable sin to anyone. Yeah. And I've heard that side of it too. Yeah. Only, yeah. only the Lord can do yeah. that. Yeah. And I've heard that thrown around on both sides of, you know, that people are, well, you're incriminating the unpartable sin. No, you are, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> you can't do that. But that's, I tell you, that's going on right now. Yeah. With what God's doing in the earth, with men and women of God, speaking for God, showing the fruit of the Lord, 
And a lot of the people, other people out there are condemning them. They're making fun of them. These are other so-called Christians, you know, so these would be the brothers and sisters. They're saying that they're of the devil. I've been accused of that myself uh, just for trying to love God, try to help other people in, in whatever the way Lord shows me. But we just have to be humble in that. We have to take it on the chin. Just by me saying some of these things, you might think, oh, you're going to be like the weakest person around. Well, remember, we have Jesus as our perfect example, right? So even though Jesus was meek, mild, gentle, kind, yet at the same time, he was fierce and righteous. (laughs) So here he was healing a baby in this home, healing a man who was let down through the ceiling on a stretcher because they couldn't fit through the doors, too many people in there, healing them, ministering them, serving them. You know, he's starving. He said they couldn't even get anything to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's sacrificing his life for these people, being humble, meek, and mild. And then all these people start accusing him. But then the power of God rises up within him, you know, the righteousness of God, and confronts people with truth. So we got to look at that for ourselves. Sometimes righteous anger will emerge from us when it's from the Lord, not from our own anger or our own, you know, self-righteousness. And during those times, we will be speaking God's truth, scriptures or whatever God's saying at that moment. And and what does that do? It creates truth in that situation. And it will confront sometimes. Jesus overturned the money tables in the temple, you know, because it was the right thing to do. And it was violent. He never hurt anybody, but he destroyed stuff. Yeah, but so, the thing is, is that in that moment of truth, when he did the confrontation, it when he spoke out the truth, the people who chose to come alongside of him, then they were in unity. So the truth can bring unity. Lies can't bring unity. Deception right. cannot bring unity. Uh, covering things, calling things light when they're actually darkness, all of that, that won't bring unity. And it won't stand for very long because here's the beauty with God. When you are in unity with God and you're walking in love and you're walking in his ways and you are sometimes speaking the truth out like that, that truth will change things. Because look at Jesus's family. Remember, Mary was at that house. His brothers brothers and sisters were at that house thinking he was crazy. The mother, Virgin Mary. (laughs) Yeah. She thought he was crazy. Yeah, But now when he stood up and spoke this stuff, we see that those same people, his own family came back around. Obviously Mary did. Mary was there at the day of Pentecost. Yeah. James. yeah. His brother, James wrote the book of James. Yeah. The church in Jerusalem was founded around Jesus, brother James, but they had to come into unity with Jesus, with the truth. That's right. So that truth will bring unity when it's, when it's spoken when it's by the Lord. Spoken by the Lord and then when it's accepted by the people. Mm-hmm. And then the people who don't accept it, who don't accept truth, who don't walk in unity, then they will fall. Yeah, their plans fail. And Jesus' argument against that with that strong man coming in the house and binding up uh, the people of the house and then robbing them blind. Many people in the Christian church, when I, when I grew up, and you've heard this too, Joanna, they attributed that strong man to the devil, mm-hmm. didn't they? Mm-hmm. That, oh, the devil's a strong man, and he's in, <laughs> in, we've got to bind the strong man and all this kind of stuff. Well, there's no other scriptures that support that. 
This Jesus is how is I calling read himself the stronger yeah. of the strong men. And he's saying, because remember, they're saying that he was possessed of the devil, but he's saying, no, there's nobody stronger than me. Yeah. In fact, he even goes, he goes on later in the gospel, say the devil has no place in me. Yeah. So the very fact that he's going in and kicking the devil out of people's homes, their physical bodies, proving to them that he is the strong man. Jesus yeah. is the strong man. Yeah. He says that he is the stronger. And I like that. He is stronger. Yeah. And again, he invites us to be in him. And he actually then later on goes out and says, in my name, go out and do exactly what I did. You go out now and cast out demons because you're stronger in my name. You know, you go out and lay hands on the sick, see them recover because you are stronger in my name. And what a partnership that that gives to us, that we get to be a part of bringing unity to the world if we choose to, if we choose to follow after the Lord but we get to also do it with the power of God working in our lives. It's pretty exceptional. Yeah. So, okay, well, this was a, a heavier topic today, but I think it's a good introduction because our next two weeks, as we continue with the parables of Jesus, we get into some of those harder parables, uh, the ones that are more challenging, where, as Ben said, he's, it's not just the meek Jesus, but now he's actually sharing some parables that are pretty in your face and really cause you to have to examine yourself and look deeper and ask the tough questions of who you are, what you believe, who do you believe God is. And so join us over the next couple of weeks as we keep digging into the parables of Jesus. Let me just speak a blessing over you all today. Right now, I just want to speak the unity of the Lord Jesus over everyone listening today. That when we are faced with the division we see in our own person, in our relationships, in our churches, our workplaces, our nations, and even the world, that we would choose the only side that will be the winning side, the only side that will stand at the end, the side of love. And I pray that as you go into your day, that you would be filled with the knowledge that if you walk filled with the Spirit of Jesus, you walk in a position that is stronger than any enemy you face today. So go be the church in your world. If you feel blessed by the I Will Be Your Church podcast, please subscribe so you never miss a day. And then share it with your friends. Check out our website, IWillBeYourChurch.com, to learn more about us, check out Ben's blog, connect with us on social media, and become part of this church family movement.